The Lord be with you, every one of you, and I trust I shall be meeting you as the months unfold. You see, my schedule is up there behind me. Take special note that we have now a new department that deals only with events, and if you're going to come to one of them, that's the phone number to call. Please take note. And I trust that we shall see you at our retreats, especially the one in Florida. That is going to be an unusual retreat. And also, as I travel around in Myrtle Beach and in Virginia, we shall look for you there. Okay, but I want to share something today that, quite honestly, you might never have heard of before. So I want to read some passages from the book of Revelation, and we're not going to speak anything about the second coming, not in the way you might think, Um, but I do want you to see a word and how John, who wrote Revelation, is using it. So it begins in the book of Revelation, and he's introducing the subject, and it says that this book is in verse 2, bearing witness to the Word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. So he says, I'm bearing witness to the Word of God and to the testimony of Jesus. Then in verse 9, later down the passage, it says, I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance which are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos because, he said, I'm here um, as a prisoner of Rome because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Then if you go over to chapter 19 of the book of Revelation, um, he meets, I won't even go into that context, but the person he meets says in verse 10, He says, I am a fellow servant of yours, your brother, who holds the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I think that's enough. Um, All the way through the book of Revelation, John uses this expression. I was raised, as some of you were, in that evangelical section of the church where you had a testimony meeting. I think you had them here. We certainly had them in England. And and people would get up and, quote, give their testimony, which, though done in great sincerity, many times was simply going over and over and over all the bad things they ever did and how great Jesus was that he saved from them from them, and usually ended, pray for me, I am so weak and the devil is out to get me. And um, that was testimony time, just uh, just a repetition of uh, the events of, of salvation coming to you. And there was, and many times that was, you know, decades before, and the same testimony given every week. That's not what the word means, not at all. You are not going to be taken captive and put on the Isle of Patmos for that, I assure you. No, the testimony of Jesus. I wanted to know what that meant. And 
So I began to look at every possible reference to all the parallel words and to see what the Greek words were and nothing, it came up zero. Um, There was nothing there that I could say, this is really what it means. They merely said it means testimony. Well, I want to know what, what, what does testimony mean in the context of the scripture? Then I realized that John was the most Hebrew of all of the writers. Um, in fact, the book of Revelation sounds, actually, it's written in Greek, but it sounds like a Hebrew person trying to write it in Greek. And so I went back into the Old Testament, and that's where I hit gold, because there is the root meaning of the word testimony, which, of course, all of the writers of the New Testament were Hebrews, and so it was in their very consciousness what the word meant. They didn't have to explain it. Testimony. Can I tell you what this word means? And it is, for me, a thrilling understanding. The word testimony in the Hebrew language, which is then understood by the Hebrews who spoke Greek in the New Testament, it means to repeat. Okay, just just hold it. He says when when you use the word testimony, he is saying that whatever we're using it of means we repeat it. Or, and maybe it's my favorite, it means, and I quote the the books that tell you what these things mean, it means to do it again, do it again. So therefore, it, by extension, the word means repetition. But then it goes on to mean permanence. That is, if you keep doing something again and do it again and do it again, then what do we call that? Permanence. It means then the continuance of an event or an action. It, it, it's, it means not once, but it continues and it continues and it continues. And that's the testimony. Testimony means something has come into our human race experience. And in its coming in and its testimony means that this is going to be repeated. This is going to be continuous. This is going to be permanent. And so you could also then translate it as a habit, because when you do something again and again, it becomes a habit. You could also say it was custom, that because this came in the testimony concerning God uh, or his ways, it now becomes custom. We do it. We do it every day. We do it every week. We do it whatever every, but we do it again until it becomes custom. Um, In the highest and best sense of the word, you can take it for granted. That can mean a a very negative carelessness, but here I'm using it in its best sense. I can take this for granted. It happened. It is happening. It will happen. It's the way it is. That's the meaning of the word testimony. But then there are other words in the Hebrew language that come alongside of it, words that we have talked about before. You remember, 
you remember, the word remember. The Hebrew people and indeed the persons around them in the near Middle East didn't use that word as we do. We here in the West send our minds back to try and mentally recreate an event. Of course, we had to be there in order to do it, uh, and, and you had to have a good memory in order who was there, what did we do, what was it like, and you, you have this picture in your head you have remembered. That's how we do it in the West. But in the Bible, the word remember had a very different, in fact, backwards to us. To remember in the Bible is, it means to bring a past event however far back that is, meaning you didn't have to be there. So you're remembering something where you were not at its first happening. You remember by bringing that event into this present moment by doing it again. And as you do it again, release into this present moment all of the abilities, powers, energy, promise of the original event. Um, We've talked about that before, and that's thrilling. That's the meaning uh, why why the uh, Israelites did the Passover. And as, as you may know, as they did the Passover, they spoke in the present tense. They took the events that happened uh, of their deliverance from Egypt and they brought it into the present moment. The event of crossing the Red Sea into the present moment. He's the same God and we're living in the same powers and energy of that. That, That's remember, we do it um, every week, at least we do it here every week, um, in the uh, Holy Communion, the Eucharist. Uh, where Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Uh, And that doesn't mean that you have to try and remember Jesus in a Western sense because you weren't there. So how can you remember it? That's the West. No, here we go Eastern, Middle Eastern. and, and, And what we remember is to bring that event into this present moment and all the powers of that are released and incidentally not remembering his death. That, that is a, a weird Western idea. It's, Jesus said, remember me. That is the fullness of him. But that's another subject. But remember, but you see, remember's connected to testimony. The testimony is do it again. And remember is indeed that act of doing it again, that you bring things from the past into the present and experience their now power. Um, Another word, which is also in the New Testament, is witness. A witness is one who gives testimony. That is, the one who has encountered and encountered firsthand. A witness can never talk of hearsay. If you're a witness, you can't say, well, my neighbor told me. No, that's not a witness. That's either hearsay or gossip. No, a witness is, I was there. I saw this with my own eyes. I experienced this myself. That's that's a witness. In in fact, there's that other word, um, which we've often talked about, is the word know. 
um, which never in the New Testament, that's a New Testament word to know. Well, it goes back into the Old. That is never knowing about. You never know about it. That, again, is something that has killed the, the dynamic of the church today. You just go to seminary and know about a whole bunch of stuff. Instead of knowing for yourself personally by encounter with God. And so the Bible speaks of knowing, which, as I've told you, is the same word that's used of the marriage union. And it says, Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. And we could repeat that all the way through Scripture. This is the most intimate. that You know because you were there. You know by personal observation. You know by personal experience. And so the witness gives witness to what they know, and nothing more. You never exaggerate it. You don't go beyond it. You witness to what you know. That's testifying. And testifying uh, is is remembering into this present moment. This is my encounter, and I report it to you. And if you're following me, it means that as I thus bear witness, my witness is releasing something which means this, that I have seen and known shall be repeated. We shall do it again. Put that on hold. What, 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 what is this saying? All these words are pointing to the fact of the unchanging Jesus that's why it says that last text we had in Revelation 19.10, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Our testimony is of Jesus. It isn't. A testimony isn't giving glory to the darkness of all the mess you once got into. Um, no, the, the testimony of Jesus. And he is, I am which means all that he ever was, he is. You understand, he's never a was that has now run out of steam and is a dinosaur. No, Jesus, I am. All that he was, he is, and all that he is, he ever shall be, and therefore he spans the ages as simply I am. And testimony is that he has revealed himself in a certain way, which means that this you shall always know him to be. He shall repeat himself and repeat himself in every person, in every generation. This isn't something that just happened once and ho-hum, wasn't that wonderful? Do you remember when? Well, it never happened since. No, that, no, no. He is, I am. Any time there is a revelation of Jesus, whether it be in a word spoken, in a book that you read, in something you observe, let it leap inside of you. He's the I am, and therefore that shall be repeated, can be repeated, should be repeated in my life and in the life of those that I am with. That, that's... But it says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We could take more time on this, but very quickly, spirit, that takes us to the dimension of the Holy Spirit, whose activity is in fulfilling in us the finished work of Jesus. 
It is the Holy Spirit who awakens us from the sleep of death. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see our union with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit all through what Jesus has done in us and for us. Place us in Him and He in us. It's the Holy Spirit that was upon Him who said that it's to uh, proclaim this good news, to open the eyes of the blind, to cause the lame to walk. And he says, now that same Spirit is upon us, so that Jesus is a Jesus in his fullness. It is to be repeated. And he's not, he's not an item of history. He's not a footnote to history. He is here. He is now. And all that he ever was to be done again. Are you getting the drift of what this means? Um, and then it says there's the spirit of prophecy. Prophecy. Now, please, I've, I've given you a lot of definitions today. You better remember this one. Prophecy primarily is not telling you what's going to happen in the future. Oops. That upsets a lot of people. Um, you know, persons who go into, especially the Old Testament, with all their charts and dates and, and trying to figure out lots of things, um, well, I, I'm, I'm not talking about it or against That's not my subject. But let's understand prophecy is not foretelling the future. It isn't. It may contain part of it, but prophecy in its basic meaning, is that God, through human beings, is speaking into this now moment. It's not foretelling, it's speaking forth. It is God's Word coming into this present moment, this situation, and changing it. And that that's the original and basic meaning of prophecy. And it, it, it does speak about the future, but it, it is speaking about the future in such a way that it transforms the lives of those who hear it right now. Okay, so the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So he is saying that testimony is the Holy Spirit bringing to pass in our lives all that I might read in Scripture that is spoken to me. What is in the Scripture is not there as a book of ancient literature. It's not there as something so old and decrepit, but it's just fun if you've got a mind like that to go back and read it. It's not stories of ancient past. It is speaking to us right now. And the testimony of Jesus, that is this testimony that speaks of Jesus, is what prophecy is all about. That's another way of putting it. And because it's testimony, it says what you read there is reproducing in you the life and the message of Jesus. Did you get that? 
It's not something that you think about. Put it up on a shelf and, and get an A on some ridiculous question you answered. No, the testimony of Jesus is the Holy Spirit bringing that word into your life and in his ability. His word says, do it again, do it again. Reproduce that in this life. And I, I said, if you read, but if you hear, let, let's, let's be, be very practical. You have heard me declare the love of God. You've heard me declare the grace of God. And every week, I, I read every letter you send. I can't answer. I, that would become my ministry. But I read every letter, some of them on scraps of paper, but I read them. <clears throat> when you, you send a gift or you, you send anything to um, the office, I, I read those letters. And you, you are telling me over and over again that you now are living a life inside the love of God. You're living a life that is directed by the grace of God, and you're declaring you'd never seen this before. What has happened? I am testifying that which I have seen and heard and know personally myself that God is love. And in Jesus, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth invaded our world in Jesus Christ. And I have testified of that. In our meetings together here, we, we in fact are doing a, an act of remembrance that all that Jesus ever was in history is in the words that I say and what is happening. It is reproducing in you and in this wonderful work of the Spirit as I speak. He says, in you, do it again, do it again. And then it happens so again that it becomes habit. And do you remember when you live lives under the curse of the law that you now take for granted that you live and move and rest and laugh and peace in the very presence and arms of the Father through Jesus. It's become your habit. It's become, that's where you live. You, in a glorious way, take it for granted. Did that make any sense to you? When, when, when you hear the word that you'd never heard before, but it's the testimony of Jesus and therefore, the Spirit whispers inside of you, and it's yours too. It's yours too. It's not just that chap who's speaking. It's yours too. We hear it. We speak it. But have you taken it to the next level? That then you've, you've shared it. you shared it with other members of your church, your prayer group. You've shared it with neighbors. And what happened? <laughs> Do it again. As you shared it, they've opened up and they've received. It's the way it goes. You see, the testimony of Jesus. Jesus doesn't have a testimony. Jesus is the ultimate testimony. I have a testimony in that I saw and the Spirit opened my eyes. But Jesus is what I saw. Do you get it? I have a testimony. He is it. Jesus is the testimony. 
You could also say he's the final prophet and that he's the final word of God that speaks into our generations of human the final and, and and what the prophets or all, all those in the old testament the prophets they gave and hebrews 1 and 1 says they they gave their prophecies in bits and pieces they didn't have the whole picture by any means and, and so each prophet brought his little piece and, and there began to emerge a sort of picture but it still didn't make sense really until he came and Jesus, the totality of the testimony, is the one that finally put the whole of the Old Testament in, in, into perspective. So that when he rose from the dead, the first thing he did was sit down and say, I'm going to give you a new vision of the Old Testament. And he sat and he says he went from Genesis to Malachi, showing them it was all talking about him. He is the testimony. And and also, he is in himself. And I, I've got to be careful how I say this. It's, it's difficult to say. But Jesus is the do-it-again of the Father, you see. He's the repeat of the Father. He is God the Son, but he is the mirror image of the Father. He is the very Word of the Father. Do, do you understand me? He didn't come from beside the Father, the prophets did that in the Old Testament, and, and so they got a bit of the truth. They, they received a word from God. But Jesus doesn't come from beside the Father. He comes out from the Father. You did not arrive on the scene from beside your parents. You came out of your father and your mother, and specifically out of your mother's womb, having shared her and participated in her life. You are of your father and mother. Jesus comes, and we say God from God. He is unbegun God who comes out from unbegun God. So that he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Therefore, he's the only one who can really tell us what God is like. Because he is God from inside God. And so he gives us the perfect image, picture, of the character and the nature of the Father. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus, for he is the testimony. You get it? He is the testimony. He is the saying again inside our humanness exactly what the Father is like. And you need to do that because religion has given you a terrible, distorted image of the Father. Most people are terrified of the Father. Some people think that Jesus come to save us from the Father because the Father is such a monster. No, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Jesus isn't just like the Father. He is the very presence of the God who is the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. He's the totality of the love purposes of God for us. That's Jesus. So what was in the heart of the Holy Trinity is now done again in Jesus right in the middle of us. Exactly, exactly. And, and so 
He, he is the Word. He is the heart of the Father. And at the end, when he rose from the dead, then he gives us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is exactly the same as Jesus, as the Father. To meet the Spirit is to meet Jesus. And so the Spirit is the do it again. The Spirit is bringing that all that Jesus has done, the whole purpose of his being here, the message that covers it all, he brings it to completion. Where? In us. He does it again in us. And so um, the Holy Spirit not only reveals Jesus to us, but he actually is bringing Jesus into us to do it again. You, you might, just almost as an aside, um, do you remember how this happened by way of illustration? Do you remember the woman who came with the, the blood condition and she's pushing through the crowd? Do you remember that one? And she's saying, if only, only I can just touch the hem of his garment, I, I will be made well. Now, that's interesting because nobody else had ever done that. She's, she's the only person who went through the crowds and said, I'm not asking him to put his hands on me. I'm not asking him even to speak a word to me. Just let me touch the hem of his garment, his clothes, and I will be made well. And she did so, and it was so. Do you remember that? Okay, now keep on reading the Gospels. And do you know within a matter of verses, it's saying that all these other people were pushing through the crowd just to touch the hem of his garment, and they were healed. Now, isn't that fascinating? What she did, and she testified... And the result was it was done again and again and again and again until it was just a thing people did, that they touched his clothes and they were healed. Do, do you understand the principle there? Have you not seen it in some ways in your own lives that you see something, you testify, you live your testimony? And the result is others see it and it's done again. Okay, do you remember the leper? Have you ever thought of this? That there was the leper could not approach society. A leper in Bible days was outside the city, he had to stand so many feet away from any human, shout with a loud voice, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, don't get near me. And you read in Matthew 8, one of those lepers came and they got close enough to Jesus, which means they got close enough to a lot of people, to be able to have a conversation. That was as illegal as you cannot imagine. He, he's come into actual speaking distance. And do you remember what he said? He's come, he's taken this risk and then he said, almost reminds me of some Christians today, if, if, if you will, you can make me whole. I've risked everything to come. And now as I come, I really don't know whether you want to or not. So, but I know if it's your will, you can heal me. 
and Jesus became angry. Now, that doesn't show up in our regular translation uh, of, of the Bible, but um, if, if the most, you know, obvious Greek when you read it is that, that Jesus answered, and actually the word is with a snort. It means as if... Um, it's it's an expression of anger. It would the only way we could really translate it would be to say that Jesus said, oh, "Of course, I want you. How dare you think I wouldn't want to?" Mm, hear that, some Christians today. Jesus said, "To think that it's not my will to heal causes me to snort like a horse and say, "How oh, dare you say that?" And he touched the man, which of course that was beyond thought in those days. He touched a leper, and the leper was healed. Thereafter, all through the Gospels, you will find lepers are coming to him left and right, and they're being healed. Isn't that fascinating? It took one who saw, who spoke, and he was healed. But then once that had happened, it was done again, and done again, and done again, and done again, because of the testimony that happened to this man. That's that's the way. That's the way. What was Jesus doing with his disciples? Have you ever thought? He he. You say Jesus healed. Have you read the Gospels? Jesus sent his disciples into all the nearby villages and told them, "You go and heal. You go and cast out demons. And I give you the authority to do that." What's he doing? He is saying to the disciples, everything I'm doing, I will that it be done again by you. So let's, let's practice. Now let's, they were, they were students in the best sense of the word. He sends them, you go and do it. And they come back. Do you remember this? It's amazing when we laid, they they were healed and the demons were subject to us. Amazed. Yes. Get used to it. This is going to be your life. Because Jesus didn't come to be a marble figure carved into the history. He says, I'm going to repeat myself in you. I am not going off into some distant heaven to build you a golden house. Dear God, help us. No, he said, I am going to dwell inside of you and repeat myself inside of you. So get used to it, guys. Go out there and lay hands on the sick. And when he fed the 5,000, you have to read it carefully. But how did that work? Jesus put little bits of bread and fish in the hands of the disciples and said, you go and feed them. And so as they gave, it multiplied. Jesus did the miracle, but he did it in tandem with the disciples because he's got to teach them. You do this. And do you remember, he, he didn't give them an impersonal uh, sort of, what would you call it? I don't know, gift of some sort um, of, of human joy on steroids. Let's put it that way. He didn't say, well, you, you know how to be happy. Well, I, I'm going to give you the gift uh, of joy on steroids. You're going to be really happy. And I'm going to do the same with peace. No, he didn't do that. You've got to think now. Jesus repeated himself in them and said, My joy I give to you. My peace. Not as the world gives. I give you my peace. 
so that your heart be not troubled. Come on, this is the gospel. He imparts to us his very self. Love one another, not have a a jolly good try, but he said, love one another as I have loved you. So the very love that comes from Jesus into us, he says, now you do it again, only now. You'll be, it's my love, my love, myself being repeated in you. Can I say it again? That's the gospel. And then, of course, he says it couldn't be plainer. I know it shocks everybody, but it couldn't, at least in its simplicity, it's obvious. He said the works, which is another word for miracles, the the works, the miracles that I do, you are going to now start doing too. You do them also. And that's repeated in Mark 16 when he ascended. And he said, you will lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. And the scripture says that the earliest Christians, the way it was, they went and they did it, just like he said. They were a repeat of him. And it says that he was working together with them. And so it's a repeat and they know his presence with them because he's in them. Maybe to bring it all to, to, to focus here, it says in John fifteen twenty six that Jesus is saying that, you know, the Holy Spirit is coming, and, and as he did on the day of Pentecost. And he says, when the Helper, that's what he called the Holy Spirit, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me and you will testify also because you've been with me from the beginning. So he says, the Holy Spirit is the testifier. Jesus is the testimony. And in testifying, he says and he teaches, I'll be the repeat in you. And now the Spirit comes who's going to actualize that. The Spirit will testify, will do again Jesus. And he says, and you will get involved because you've been with me from the beginning. I don't want to push this, but you are included in him from the beginning. You've experienced believing into dying with Christ, rising with Christ, ascended with Christ. You've got something to talk about because you know him and you know him for yourself. And he says, the Holy Spirit. See, uh, the Holy Spirit might bring many gifts and they're very wonderful, but don't get hung up on them. The very heart of what the Holy Spirit comes to do is to repeat inside of you Jesus repeat his life inside of you, repeat his love, his joy, his peace. Repeat in you this Jesus of compassion that reaches out to love and to bring healing to others. Or what did uh, Acts chapter 1, 8 state that the Holy Spirit would come? He says, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, which you might look at as putting his arms around you in love, forget about power, we're scared of power especially after some of the things you've seen on TV. And so just realize what the Bible says. The Holy Spirit would come upon you. He would come and he would embrace you. Holy Spirit, 
kisses you into life. He hugs you. Those are all biblical concepts. And he says, after the Holy Spirit's come upon you, you would be a witness. That is, you would simply state what happened to you because you were there. You experienced, you encountered the Holy Spirit. It is the very realization of Jesus within me. And I live, yet not I. It is Christ who lives in me. And it's being done again. We See, we testify. It's, I, I've been talking a lot about what you say, but for a moment, forget that, because before what you say and along with what you say, your testimony, uh, it's in the way you live. I mean, if you're saying, I encountered Jesus, I've discovered the love that he has for me, that he dwells in me by his Spirit. If that's your testimony, well, your life then will show it. And that's that's, that's, that's obvious. You can't say love of God is dwelling within you while you hate your neighbor. That's daft. No. So it's your life. Your attitude, you know attitude. You don't have to say a word with attitude. If you've got teenagers, you know exactly what I mean. There's not a word spoken. That's part of the problem. The, the 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 attitude is, is, is as thick as molasses. You you know exactly what's being thought. Well, you see, if if Christ is in you, then your attitude to life, attitude to the world, attitude to others changes. And of course, your words, your conversation, even what you want to talk about, it all changes to to be in accord with what the Spirit is doing again. Um, and I, I, I might say this, that the fact I am testifying to you about that means that in my words right now, as they're coming right through this camera, right through this podcast, um, my words, my words have within them the Holy Spirit prophetic, do it again in you. Do you understand that? The Holy Spirit causes my words that I've just said about the transformation he brings in your life. They are prophecy. That is that is the Holy Spirit announcing into your life that you too can know the Holy Spirit doing Jesus again in your life. It's not something that happened to me. It is happening straight out from Jesus through the Spirit into you. Because I have testified of that. I have released that fact into the world. What about 1 John 1, 3? He's saying just that. John, again, he opens his book, 1 John chapter 1. He says, that which was from the beginning. Well, we, that which we've heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, Jesus. The life was manifested. We have seen, we testify, proclaim to you that this eternal life, which was with the Father, was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, testify. 
so that you too may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is, I just said, with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. That's, that's how it worked in the New Testament. The, the apostles said, this is what we saw. But we didn't see it and say, well, look at us, this is what we saw. No, if we saw, we announce, and the Holy Spirit does it again in you, and does it again in you, and does it again in you, right down to where you and I sit and listen. What about 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6? He says, and Paul is speaking to the brand new converts in Thessalonica. And he said, you also, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you. Now, Go back on on some of those words. You see, they all refer to the do it again. That they said, he said that the 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 word came to them, and he says, "You became imitators, imitators of us." That is, they saw. Christ living in Paul, they heard the message, they heard the word, they knew what Paul was talking about, and they saw it worked in Paul, and so they became imitators. What is an imitator? It's a do it again. Isn't that, I mean, if you imitate somebody, you're, you're seeking to do their life again. So they, they didn't listen to the gospel as a jolly good idea. They listened to it as, I want that. And therefore, they yielded to the Spirit to do it again, so that they may know Jesus and know the Spirit the same way that Paul was talking. But then he goes on to say they were an example. Um, That's an unfortunate translation. It's not quite on. The absolute right-on translation is there a copy in fact, it, it means, actually, when, when you make a coin and you put a stamp into the, the metal and there's the exact representation, that's that word that's used there. Um, so what is that? You do it again. The gospel is meant to do again in you what it is, is talking about, which is Jesus alive. And the person giving it to you, whether through a book, uh, writings, or whether speaking it, whether that be speaking at a water fountain or speaking as I am right now, it's speaking. And what's, what's going to happen? That you become more educated in Christianity? No. The Spirit is, there'll be a copy stamped into you. It will be done again in you as it was in the persons of the New Testament as it's been done in me and a million others and you get it do it again and then it says that um you, it's your you you people you brand new comes you sounded forth and that in Greek the word is echo we just took that word into English uh, didn't translate it it's the echo so their lives what's an echo an echo is doing it again, right? You stand up there in the caves as the great Atlantic rollers crash in and 
up in the caves, it's like you're being drenched in water, though you're not, because it's echoed. You, you are embraced in sound. You're echoed. It's what happens when thunder, you know, the lightning strikes and then the thunder echoes and you feel it's right there on your porch. Well, he says, you, you were done again all over. You, you, your lives were repeated into the ears and hearts of people all over the region, resonated. Is this registering? See, we're called Christians. That's um, totally lost its meaning. It, it just now is a name accepted as a description of people who believe in Jesus. But you remember, Christian was a word given to them in Antioch when people began to wake up and realize what this was all about. And, and so they were called Christianos. And that means on literal translate, little Christ's. That is Christianos. A Christian is one in whom the Holy Spirit is reproducing Jesus. And we, we become the little Christ to, to live his life of love and to, to do the works that he did. And I said, accomplished by the Holy Spirit. What about Philippians 2.13? It says, for it is God who is at work in you. And the word there is energia, energize. The energy of God is in you. And that energy, that personal energy of the Spirit is in you to will, that is to communicate to you what he's planning, what his plan is, the very will of God, and to work, work, energia. Okay, same word. So the energy of God is in you to reproduce in you the love of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. Huh. Christ living his life in us, seamless union, so that our life is lived out from his life. Paul, Paul described his own becoming a Christian, Galatians 1.15. He says, When God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb, called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me. Some of your translations, the translators couldn't hack that. So they said, to me. No, it's not. I mean, elementary Greek student knows that the word there is in. He pleased to reveal his son in me. Oh, this is so, I hope you're understanding this. That Christianity is the do it again. It's the repeat. And the repeat becomes the continuance and the take it for granted. That's who we are. Reveal his son, Jesus, in me. Galatians 2.20 I live, yet no longer I. It is Christ who lives his life in me. Or Philippians 1 where it says, For me to live is Christ. Or Philippians 4, where I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the Amplified Bible translates that, I am self-sufficient in his sufficiency. You can't get stronger than that. This, this is it. This, this is the gospel. This is the testimony. 
that um, actually the gospel is a living message. Living. Do you, do you understand? It's not just a bunch of words. It's not just a series of facts. It's living. Let that gospel loose and reproduces. And we become. We become. We don't just know it in our heads and say, I believe it. We, we become it. And this isn't for the supersonic Christian um, it, it, it's, I tell you what, in the Old Testament, uh, this, of course, is where this word originated. And do you remember it says, uh, Psalm 103, where it says, He made known his ways to Moses, his actions to the children of Israel. What's he talking about? He, he is saying that um, Moses understood the ways of God. He understood what God was up to. He knew where he was coming from. He knew where he was going to. And so Moses would understand what we're talking about, that when there was a mighty, a wonderful, uh, we would call a miracle, there was this uh, sign and wonder that God is here and now and bringing to pass his love purpose. Well, Moses knew the testimony. That is, that which he has done today is not the end of the story. He will do it again, and it will be maybe another situation. Therefore, it will look different, but it will be the same God doing the same thing. And that became, as far as Moses is concerned, the way things are. All that God is and all that he reveals is to be revealed in order that it be done again and again and again and become the permanence of that's the way we believers are. Well, Israel didn't see that. Israel saw the same miracle. And they says, whoa. That was it. And somebody nudged and says, we've got to tell this to the grandkids. They looked at the act of God. They didn't know where it came from. They didn't know who God really was. They didn't know that if he did it, then he will do it again and again, which meant <coughs> that all through our life we are attended by this God who is almighty, but he loves us and therefore signs and wonders will uphold us. No, to them, it was a, wow, look what happened. And go back to the tent and say, you know, to, to his wife, he, God showed up down there, you know. And, and years later, they would talk about it, the thing that happened, you know. He told. So Moses knew this, the passing on, this do it again, this repeat but Israel only saw isolated acts and they never knew why. And so they were always ready to destroy Moses, go back to Egypt, because they never expected God to do it again. Never. And so when God did it again, they were just, wow. But they never saw that it was the God who repeated himself. And that goes on all through their history. They, they, they didn't get it. 
And, and so when, when something was said, well, it was said, and we learned it in Sunday school, and we, we repeated it, and we had that exam. They said, true or false? And we said, true, and we got it right. Oh, please. If it was said, let the thrill go through you, then he will do it again. This is the God of repeat. This is a God who isn't was, but I am now. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. This is the gospel. But then you find in Israel's history, things get bad and nobody does anything. They act as if God didn't even care or know. And, and then you get the stories of the Old Testament, how someone is awakened to see that what he was, he is. And then it happens and the chap goes down in history. But, I mean, David and Goliath. Look, the whole army of Israel, including King Saul, are facing Goliath. They all had the same history of what God had done, intervening and revealing his desire to protect his people. And yet they cower for six weeks every day. They cowered before Goliath. Until this kid comes along, David, who was no more than 15 years old. And, but David understood the principle. If God had said it, if God had done it, then he will repeat it until it becomes what we expect. And so he says, what, what, what's the problem? You remember? And then everyone got mad at him because he was insinuating that they were cowards. <laughs> He says, I'll go and face him. Of course I will. And he, he goes out, do you remember? And he, and he says to, to King Saul, you've got to let me go. I, I, I've got to, God, God saved me from the bear. Well, if he saved me from the bear with, with a little miracle like that, whatever it was that saved him from a bear, and saved him then from a lion. See, God did it again. Uh, and, and there it was in Deuteronomy that if they come against you, then... You know, you're not alone. I will go with you. And, and David said, look, just let me go. And so the 15-year-old kid goes, and, and he's just got on his little tunic of shepherds, and, and you know the story, and slinging the, the stone and so on. But before he did so, he announced to Goliath what was going to happen. He said, I might look small, but I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. In this day, it's your last day. Take a good look around. You won't be here a few more minutes um, because you, you have dared to stretch your hand out against the people of God and God himself. Now, this is it. Well, that's pretty bold language. Well, of course it's bold language because he is saying the God who did this, the God who did that, the God who did the other, and he could keep on going. He is he's going to do it again because that's who God is. He doesn't reveal himself to be put into the Smithsonian Museum. He reveals himself to say, now have you got it? I do it again. I do it again. I do it again. Life becomes a repeat until it becomes... Our habit, oh blessed habit, we can take it for granted with a praise on our lips to God. That, that's, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. And, um, well, the time has gone. Um, but I, I, I trust that you've caught this glorious principle 
and to realize that he has not only revealed to us the gospel, but inside that revelation is the guarantee, the prophetic power of the Spirit to say, I do this again in your life. There's no such thing as a sub-Christian. There's no such thing as a Christian that, you know, is not good enough or you see, well, you, you see this in people's lives, and immediately we think, well, they're elite, they're unique, or worse yet, they've got a secret, you know. No, all it is, they've realized that he who did it the first time is doing it the 10 millionth time, because that's what God is. Anything he reveals, he reveals within it the reproductive power through the Holy Spirit. Um. And once this has happened in you, you become the same. You see, and out from you goes that same reproductive power. It's the way it is. It's the way it is. So we we can't be passive like the children of Israel, who could be passive and say, "Well, that you know, it was, but it's irrelevant today." They used it actually the polar opposite of remember. Remember said, what was is now in this moment. They forget in in Hebrew is, is in the same family. Forget means to leave something in the past and to look upon it as irrelevant to the present. That's to forget. doesn't mean amnesia. It means it's got no, no relevance here. That's forget. And that's what Israel did. They forgot everything that God had ever done in their lives. They forgot. That is, they said, well, he did it, but it has no relevance to this. Oh, did it ever. So do not forget, you see. Don't don't forget everything he's ever said and everything that he has done and all that he is in Jesus in the Holy Spirit. (laughs) That has 110 percent relevance to your present moment, whether that present moment be in the kitchen, in in some office, even in government, or in the school, out on the field, it doesn't matter. He does it again. He is the God who repeats himself, for he is I am. So, wake up, wake up, I'm shaking you, wake up. The morning of the new covenant has long since dawned. Wake up and join the dance. Join in this glorious thing. And be not passive. If he has done it again, then you have the authority of this word testimony to reach out and take that and say, that is what he would do again in my life, in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. What can I say? Go do it. And now the blessing of God, who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless you, opening your eyes of your understanding to become part of the Spirit's repeat, that in you may be done again the fullness of the gospel, that Christ himself be seen in you, and that through you he be done again in all you know. So I bless you and declare that is the way it is.